vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. We're talking about Chosen tonight, the very last episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that was the last time I will say that thing that I've said 144 times. <laughs> wow, intense, right? Okay, I'm going to start this episode with, I'm going to set the scene a little bit for you guys. Are you ready? We're going to do kind of a little, not really a spell, but we're setting the scene. We're setting the scene. So in the final spell that we see Willow do, the big one, the one where she makes every potential into a slayer. She, I paused it to look at like the setup of like the spell and it was an arc of five candles and they were all like mix and match candles that they could just find. One of them actually was this weird little hippie round candle that we saw in Willow's dorm room originally, or it's possible we saw it in her fucking high school bedroom for the first time, but it was in the scene. And it was just like a, a little mishmash of like, you know, somebody needs five candles, so they cobble together whatever they've got, which I thought was just a fun little, um, a fun little, um, detail, especially that one candle that like, I actually had that same candle. I don't even know how to describe it, but it looks like it's sort of a tie dye looking candle, but it's circular and it's like pink and orange and yellow and maybe purple. It's cute. I actually had it in the nineties. I had that candle, but anyway, so I have in front of me right now, a little crescent moon, if you will, semicircle of five candles just cobbled together the ones that were closest at hand um and if you're interested in seeing the scene i'm gonna i'm gonna take like a, an instagram worthy photo here in a minute um once i light the candles um just to commemorate this moment of talking about the very last episode of buffy so if you want to check out my Instagram, it is under Mixtress Ray, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E. And if you're not already following me, you'll have to request to follow me. I'll say yes, most likely, as, as long as the only people that I don't say yes to are people's accounts that look kind of suspicious. You know, like if it looks like um, somebody like just created their account, they have like one post and like no followers or something like that. Cause that just, that looks suspicious to me. But as long as you don't look suspicious, I will say yes. If you want to follow me on Instagram so you can see this picture anyway. Um, so I also have, do you guys remember? Probably not, but the very first episode, either the first or second or third, it's one of the very first episodes I ever recorded of this Buffy podcast. I said that I was going to create like a patented cocktail for every one of my favorite characters of Buffy. That's something that I still think would be fun to do, but I didn't end up doing that. But today I decided to use just whatever I had in the house, 
I wasn't like going out to buy ingredients because I can't really afford it right now anyway. But I just used something that I had in the house to make a Buffy cocktail. So what I did, um, it's actually kind of good. I'm going to take a sip of it right now. What it is, it's like um, two ounces, one and a half to two ounces, I don't know exactly, of Jägermeister and one of those like little cans, I think it's like eight and a half ounces or something of Fresca. <laughs> I just feel like the closest thing that I have in the house to tab, <laughs> which Buffy talked about a couple episodes ago, is Fresca. And I feel like, you know, Buffy, Buffy was in her early 20s in the early 2000s, which was the time of having Jaeger bombs. Do you guys remember those? It was like Red Bull and Jaegermeister, I think. I do not have Red Bull in my house. Plus, I don't really want that because <laughs> that's like a lot of caffeine and sugar. Um, and it's, you know, 11 PM as I record this, but, um, I figured Fresca is a good substitute and it's actually good. Like Fresca, if you don't know, is kind of like a diet grapefruit soda water. It's, it's good in small doses for sure. And it definitely gives me nineties vibes. Um, so I thought that was a good combo <laughs> and it does taste good actually. Um, okay. So here's the ceremony part. I'm going to light these five candles right now. You ready? Might take me a second. Candle number one. Candle number two. Four. Ooh, I don't want to jinx it, but I feel like I'm going to actually be able to light all five candles with one match. I did it. Okay. All four candles, five candles are lit. And actually that provided quite a bit of light in here, actually. Okay, now I'm going to take my uh, artful Instagram shot. I kind of want to have the cocktail in the shot. And okay, so I'm going to pause to do that. <sighs> I'm a sentimental bastard, man. <laughs> I'm a sentimental bastard. Okay, okay. One more thing to set the scene before we actually get started talking about the very last episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my god. So I... I'm a tarot reader. I'm super obsessed with tarot and I pull a daily card for myself every single day. And the card that I pulled for today, I did not even connect the significance of this until right before I pressed record is the ace of wands. In a lot of tarot decks, the ace of wands, if you want to look it up right now, probably the first image you see, is a hand holding a stake. <laughs> um, it, from the very first time I ever um, 
started learning tarot, I thought of the Ace of Wands as the chosen card. I immediately associated it with Buffy. It is the chosen card. You're being handed the stake when you were being chosen to become a slayer. <laughs> and today we're talking about chosen. Hello. <laughs> How perfect is that? I can't even take it. I need to write that in my notes, actually, that this is my card of the day. Hopefully I'll remember my future self why I put that on there. Okay, cool. Are you ready? I'm going to start with Nikki Stafford's episode guide. Again, my main source for my main resource that I've used over the course of this podcast is a book called Bite Me, the unofficial guide to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The chosen edition, seven seasons, one book, because I think she published like the first few seasons in one book. And then uh, anyway, so this was just, you know, a later printing that had all seven seasons in it after the show finished airing. So her notes were pretty extensive for this last episode and she had a lot of good things to say. So I'm, I am going to spend a minute on this. So her, um, her, uh, <laughs> so summary for the last time, Nikki Stafford's episode summary. The gang stands up to the first army of Turakhan, with two of them making the ultimate sacrifice, and Willow gloriously fulfills her destiny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, I highlighted several things, so I'm just going to go through her points before we go on to my notes. Um, so, the the last conversation between Buffy and Spike when she tells him that she loves him and he says, no, you don't, but thanks for saying it. This is in, this is part of Nikki Stafford's notes in regards to that. Later that summer, so the summer after the summer of 2003, after the series had ended at conventions, James Marsters, who plays Spike, told fans that Buffy didn't love Spike, but he appreciated her saying so. Joss Whedon, on the other hand, has stated that Buffy really did love Spike. The scene itself, in which Buffy doesn't contradict Spike when he says, no, you don't, would lend credence to Marster's suggestion. But it's nice that the scene is gray enough to be left up to the fans to decide. So I had a huge argument with my mom and my Michael, who both believe that Buffy loves Spike <laughs> the other day. And I kept saying, look, it's fine if you want to believe that, but I don't. <laughs> and they really want me to believe as they do. I'm fine with the fact that people, and this seems to be like a contentious point online too, like a lot of people really want to believe that she loves him. I think, you know, it depends on who you are as a person. I myself personally, if I were Buffy at this point in time, I wouldn't love Spike. I wouldn't. And there's also a psychological component for me personally in that when I was watching Buffy in real time, 
at this point in time, <clears throat> I was about six months from maybe eight, six to eight months away from leaving my spike. I actually, okay, so rewind to 2003, back to 2003. I had a blog on livejournal.com and I would talk about my life, but I changed the names of all the people in my life so that I could write whatever the fuck I wanted. <laughs> I had no filter and a lot of people I knew in my life knew about my blog. Also, um, adventures in, you know, autistic, um, bluntness, whatever. But I renamed everyone in my life. And my boyfriend at the time, I renamed Spike. Now, at the time, I wasn't thinking about, like, you know, the parallels between Spike, the character being, you know, when he didn't have a soul. He was emotionally manipulative, abusive, terrible boyfriend, right? Terrible boyfriend. I mean, Buffy was terrible too. Let's be honest. But um, he was a terrible boyfriend. And I decided to rename my boyfriend at the time Spike after him. And I've said this before that, like, watching particularly season six of Buffy was helped me gather the strength to leave this terribly abusive boyfriend. I mean, I didn't really connect all the dots immediately. It wasn't something I was thinking, but I did see parallels between Spike the character and my boyfriend at the time. And later on, um, you know, after that relationship ended and I was dating someone else, um, I, when I fell in love with this other person, I realized I had never loved that other boyfriend. We were together for five and a half years. I had never loved him. And so there's a psychological component for me. I do like that they left it. I mean, I think, I think it was obvious that that exchange was meant to tell us that Buffy really didn't love him, but she's saying it because she knows he needs to hear that. She knows that he wants to hear that. And she also knows, I think, that she will eventually love him. And since he's about to die, she might as well tell him now, wouldn't you? I would, despite the fact that it's not true yet, because she knows it will be true one day. So that's what I think, but it's totally fine if you think different, mom <laughs> and anyone else listening that thinks differently. Okay, let's move on to um, the next thing I highlighted in the episode guide. The amulet that Angel brought from Wolfram and Hart, he agrees... To okay, so I just highlighted that to remind myself that I didn't remember, even though I just watched that season of Angel like a couple months ago. I didn't remember where it had come from, and Angel doesn't mention it in the episode. But yeah, it was as soon as he took over. Um, so Angel previously on Angel the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> Angel had, at the very end of his season, he had taken over the evil law firm Wolfram and Hart. And so all of season five of Angel, which we're going to go over together in detail, 
when we get there, <laughs> when it starts again, starts up again in like September or whatever it is. Um, the, anyway, he had just taken over the evil law firm, Wolfram and Hart, and they handed him this envelope that had the amulet in it. So I had forgotten that. So I'm glad that it was in this, um, episode guide to remind me. Okay, this was an interesting suggestion from Nikki Stafford. It would have, so the, the scene between the first and Buffy in the basement that gives her, the night before, that gives her the idea, or not the night before, but like two nights before, that gives her the idea that um, she should go to Willow and have her take the essence of the scythe and make everybody into slayers, blah, blah, blah. She said that that scene was disappointing. And I agree. And then she made a suggestion that I had not thought of that would have been pretty cool. It would have been nice to bring the season full circle by repeating the scene from Lessons, where each of the villains from the past six seasons appear. Duh! Wouldn't that have been great? I mean, I get that they didn't have those actors on set throughout the season, but they could have filmed both of these scenes at the same time they could have done that um because if you don't remember i think it was the first episode of season seven we get a little montage at the end of that episode or maybe it's at the end of the second episode or something like that whatever it's one of the very first episodes of the season anyway um we get a scene where we get like a little montage of the first morphing between all of the big bads from all of the seasons. You know, we get Drusilla, we get uh, the mayor, we get Glory, we get whoever else there was, Adam, <laughs> and the master. We get all of them. And it says something about we have to go back to the beginning or something. And it was in like reverse chronological order too, I think. And it was just so cool how they did that scene. That scene was really powerful and gave me goosebumps. So yeah, it would have been great to have that, but it's not. There's th This is by, this is by far not a perfect series ending episode, but it's pretty damn good. I think it gives good closure to the series overall, but anyway. Um, <laughs> no longer does a young girl have to die to bring forth another one. Every slayer from this point on will be born strong. So that is something that I'm a little confused on. Like, as far as the Buffy lore goes, I don't know exactly if they've answered this question in the Buffy canon universe, whatever. Um, like, are they just born? Any potential? Is any potential... Slayer born a Slayer now? Or is it like they come into their power when they turn 16 or some shit like that? You know, like, I don't know what the... I don't know if there is an answer to that or not. Um, but I'd be interested to know. Okay, um, this other part that I highlighted. The final scene, scene of the gang asking Buffy what they'll do now that the world is a very different place is a perfect ending. And once again, we see that same look of serenity on her face as we did in The Gift. So that's the episode at the end of season five where she kills herself to save Dawn. Only this time she isn't embracing death. She's embracing life. 
Isn't that sweet? I didn't think of that either. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. Another little under the section highlight of the episode. Giles, Andrew, Xander, and Amanda playing Dungeons and Dragons and Giles getting badly beaten. I used to be a highly respected watcher. Now I'm a wounded dwarf with the mystical strength of a doily. <laughs> I love that. Um, this is something I, I somewhat remember this at the time. The, the WB issued a press release about a week before this episode aired, <clears throat> letting everyone know, sorry, I need to take a drink. Hold on. Ugh, allergies, man. It's sneezing like crazy lately. Um, <clears throat> letting everyone know that Spike would be going over to Angel in the fall, thus watering down the otherwise powerful ending. Fans couldn't mourn Spike's death or see it as the incredibly heroic moment it was because we knew he wasn't gone. It's too bad the network couldn't have waited one week. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, I hate it when they, whenever they do shit like that, you know, like spoiler alert, geez. I mean, his death should have had some gravity to it, but it didn't. And I remember thinking that at the time, I remember being confused. Cause I was like, isn't he supposed to be on angel? Like, how is he dead? <laughs> Cause I think they were already showing like promos and stuff of spike being on angel next season or something. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but anyway, um, Okay, this is really cool. Another thing I didn't notice. So when we first see Spike the, for the very first time in the episode, season two episode called School Hard, um, when Spike like gets into town, he knocks over the Welcome to Sunnydale sign. And then, and this had to be intentional, right? But I never put this together until now. In season three, when Spike comes back, when he's drunk and Drusilla has dumped him and he comes back for Lover's Walk, um, he crashes into the Sunnydale sign because he's drunk and he's driving into town and he's like about to pass out because he's so wasted. Now, in a final gesture, the town sign slowly falls into the crevice made by Spike's amulet, giving him the last laugh. <laughs> Isn't that great? He knocked over the Sunnydale sign three times. I think that's cool. I think that's cool. Anyway, another, um, so in the nitpick se section, I might as well read this whole thing, to be honest. Um, Nikki Stafford says, this, because I think I agree with her on almost every point here. I'll tell you if I don't, but I think I do. Um, the cookie dough speech. Some people thought it was cute. I thought it was Joss trying too hard to be cute and it just came off as silly. You know, I kind of feel the same. Like, I like the general idea of this conversation that she has with Angel. Um, like, she's basically just saying, just talking about her own history with guys and relationships and where she thinks she is right now. And I think that's an important conversation for her to have. Did she need to have it with Angel? Not necessarily, but I get why they did that, blah, blah, blah. But the whole cookie dough thing, like really? <laughs> I don't know. Um, where are we? Also, the Turokan were practically impossible for Buffy to kill earlier in the season, yet the gang wipes them out one by one without much of a problem. Yep, that's definitely just a nitpick for me too. Um, 
And then she says, I feel that Anya's death happened so quickly that we weren't, we weren't given any chance to mourn. That probably makes her death more realistic than any of the others on the show, and it's a necessary evil with the final episode. But it just seems like an injustice. I agree. Like, she just gets killed so swiftly, which is something that Joss Whedon loves to do. He loves an abrupt death for, for a beloved character, which I hate. But <laughs> I used to think it was, like, so brave of him to do things like that. And now I'm just like, you're a bastard. You're a bastard, and we know you're a bastard. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so I highlight anything else? Nope, that was it. Okay, so this is me closing the episode guide for possibly, like, when is the next time I open this motherfucker? Like, who knows? I'm going to put it on my shelf after this, and it could be years before I open this thing again. <laughs> I mean, I'll keep it because, you know, not only is it a sentimental object that I've used throughout this podcast, but also because I, you know, something like this, my favorite show of all time, having a cute little episode guide that has some of the facts, just easy to grab. When I started this podcast, I had two episode guides, not only this one, but another one that was called like Slayer or something. And I fucking hated it. The guy that wrote it was just like a misogynistic asshole. Like I hated his writing style and I kept that thing for a while because I wrote like notes in it and highlighted it in it and all kinds of stuff and cracked the spine. But I eventually like either donated that thing or threw it in the fucking trash because it just made me mad. <laughs> so I don't have that one anymore. Just for those of y'all, just a little tidbit for those of y'all that have been listening since the very beginning all like two of you. <laughs> anyway, um, a reminder that I am going to do sort of a podcast recap of the entire series of Buffy next week. And I would love to have some listener mail. So if you do want, if you have been listening and you want to, um, just kind of introduce yourself or kind of, or just, if you don't want to do that much, you could just, Tell me who some of your favorite characters are from Buffy, what your favorite season was, who your favorite big bad was, you know, whatever you want to talk about. Email me at mixtressray at protonmail.com. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's get into my notes, shall we? So the episode begins with Angel and Buffy kissing, which was the very last moment of the episode before. And Buffy after they break away, Buffy's like, I just want to bask for a second. And then she just kind of looks at Angel and then she goes, okay, I'm done. Um, so this was just, you know, a pretty, a pretty obvious like fan service moment, just having Angel come back. I mean, it made sense. I'm glad we got to see this little moment between the two of them. And the fact that like, there were so many people that felt so strongly that Buffy should be with either Angel or Spike. I like the way they handled it because, you know, they gave the people that think that Angel was the one, they gave them a moment and they've given the people that thought that Angel was the one a big moment too. But also this conversation 
gave me what I needed, too, because, like, despite the stupid cookie dough shit, she says that she wants to be alone right now, essentially, like, or that she just, you know, isn't putting too much credence on, like, who she should be with or if she should even be with anyone. She's just, she's just going with the flow right now, you know, essentially. And I ship Buffy with herself. That's, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> and I know I've said that like a bunch of times. Anyway, another thing you can answer in, um, the email to me, if you're listening in real time in May, 2023, I want to know, um, are you a Spuffy shipper? Are you a Bangel shipper? Or do you ship Buffy just with herself or Fuffy? <laughs> Faith and Buffy? Is anybody a fuffy shipper? There's probably a better name for that, and it probably already exists, but I don't know what it is. Okay, where are we? Um, oh, Caleb's not really dead. And when he stands back up again, his eyes are black, and he has a bunch of blood dripping down from his eyeballs. Why? Because she cut him in the stomach. Why would he be bleeding from the eyes? I don't know. But anyway, he wakes up, he's got blood all over his face, and his eyes are black, and he says, Are you ready to finish this, bitch? <laughs> like, the way that he says bitch. Like, he's spitting a mouthful of blood out or something, and it's just, like, it's cringy. But anyway. Um, okay. One of my nitpicks. So this entire scene, okay, so as soon as Caleb, like, gets back up, he knocks Angel out, and he's, like, knocked out for, like, a minute or two or something and so Buffy has Buffy finishes Caleb on her own but there were some moments that she looked like she might be in trouble and Spike is remember Spike he's in the shadows he's watching this whole thing play out this whole thing he hasn't left already or anything he's watching the whole thing play out and he doesn't step in to help Buffy I think that's out of character for him I think he would have done that at this point so that's just a nitpick. Um, then Buffy splits Caleb in half, starting with his balls. <laughs> so hilarious. Like, hilarious, right? Like, of course it has to be that. <laughs> Misogynist preacher guy has to get split in half, starting with his balls. Has to happen. Okay, another nitpick. You remember, like, a couple episodes ago, I was talking about characters and their signature necklaces, and I was like, well, Buffy doesn't really have signature blah blah blah. Yes, she fucking does! Angel gave her that big-ass, fuck, big fuck-off silver cross necklace in, you know, season one, episode one, I think, if not, maybe two, but I think it was one. He gave her that big fuck off cross necklace. And she used to wear it all the time in the first couple of seasons. Why wouldn't they have brought that back? You know, if they're bringing everything back to the beginning and also Buffy should be wearing that necklace like a lot. I mean, she just should. Crosses repel vampires. And this was a gift from her beloved angel. Why doesn't she wear that necklace all the time? Like, I guess maybe it just felt weird to continue wearing it once they broke up or whatever, but still she should be wearing it. I don't know. That's her signature necklace. Anyway. Um, then, okay. So 
kill Caleb. Then Angel gives her the amulet and says that it's supposed to be worn by a champion and he intends to wear it. And Buffy's like, no, you're not going to do that. You got to get the fuck out of here. I didn't really like, and I'd never like thought about it this way before, but I didn't really like how they put sort of an emphasis on like Buffy sending Angel away partly because of Spike. That's kind of like what they're making it sound like. And I just thought that was weird. Like, I mean, I mean, I, I thought it made sense for Buffy to send Angel away. Just be like, you know, go back to LA, get shit set up, whatever, just in case this thing goes south here. That part made sense to me. But then him bringing up Spike and then, I don't know. It's just like, why would Spike be a factor in that? Like they, like Spike and Angel couldn't fight side by side because they totally fucking can. Like, yeah, they're petty, they're petty, but they both are fighting on the side of good and they would put that aside long enough to fight, right? (laughs) I mean, really, Angel can't stay because, like, he probably wasn't being paid enough to stay for the whole episode. He has his own show now, whatever. We even get, like, some stupid Angel jealous crap in the scene, too. Um, oh, he has a soul now. You know, I started it before it was like the cool thing to do, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I love this shit between Angel and Spike, which is one of the reasons why I am committing to review, recap every episode of Angel the Vampire Slayer 20 years after its original air date. Well, not every episode because just season five. (laughs) That's why I'm going to do this with season five of Angel because... I like their, like, petty banter between the two of them. They're, you know, the fact that they're both just so, like, fucking jealous of each other and all that shit. Um, another argument for why Buffy doesn't love Spike yet. Like, in season five of Angel, we see neither hide nor hair of one Buffy the Vampire Slayer. At all. Not once. And you know, I know why this is because Sarah Michelle Gellar was just done with Buffy at this point. Like she, she doesn't go to conventions. She doesn't do the voice acting for any video games or any cartoons or any other Buffy franchise stuff. Every time there's like a, a voice of Buffy, the character, it's someone else, which is incredibly annoying and too distracting for me personally. She just doesn't really, in the last few years, she's softened a little bit, um, towards like this iconic character, but for the most part, she's just didn't seem to want to have anything to do with her past on Buffy. She wanted to put it behind her completely. So she's never going to show up as Buffy ever again. This is the last moment right here. So, um... What was my point in saying all that shit? Oh, um, if Buffy really loved Spike, as soon as he came back to life, for whatever mystical reasons he comes back to life on Angel, I can't really fucking remember, um, she would have gone to check on him or say hi or some shit, right? But she doesn't. (laughs) Anyway, um, where are we? Angel refers to Spike as Captain Peroxide. And then later in the episode, Spike refers to Angel as tall, dark, and forehead. (laughs) I just think, 
<laughs> I just wrote down Captain Peroxide in tall, dark, and forehead. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm going to circle that. The Adventures of Captain Peroxide in tall, dark, and forehead. <laughs> Buffy does say, he's in my heart. Um, cookie dough conversation. I skipped ahead, but this is when that happens. Um, and then she says, I'm not finished becoming whoever the hell it is I'm going to turn out to be. I like that. I like that as a sentence. And, you know, they leave the possibility open for like, you know, will they, won't they in the future? And Angel just says, I ain't getting any older. And yeah, I, I think that was nice. I mean, I don't give a shit about Buffy and Angel together, but, um, I think that that was just a nice little thing to be in there for the people that really did care. Because I know people felt very strongly that, like, Angel's the one for Buffy and, you know. So, good that they got their moment. When Buffy gets home after this conversation with Angel and killing Caleb, Dawn is standing inside the front door like she's been just waiting for her or something. <laughs> and she kicks her in the shins. Because, previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if you don't remember, um... Buffy tried to get, or she did get, Xander to kidnap Dawn and take her away, take her out of Sunnydale. Um, she didn't want her to be in the fight. She didn't want either of them to be in the fight. And um, Dawn woke up from being chloroformed and tased Xander and stole the car. She was like, fuck no, I'm not doing that. Um, and so we kind of get, like, this is really when we get like the makeup moment between the two of them, really this, this tiny little exchange. So like Dawn kicks Buffy in the shins and Buffy's like, ow. <laughs> and she doesn't even, she just says, oh, she says dumbass. She calls her a dumbass. And, uh, Buffy looks over at Xander, who's like sitting in a chair looking like dazed. Cause he probably just woke up from being knocked out or whatever. And, um, <laughs> Xander's like, don't look at me. This is a summer's thing. It's all very violent. <laughs> uh, the, what, my nitpick in this scene, like, I'm fine with the fact, the way that this played out, but my nitpick is the sound effect when Dawn kicks Buffy in the shin is like this weird, like, hollow wood sound. It sounds like Dawn is like, I don't know, kicking a baseball bat or something. <laughs> Which could be what someone's doing in the sound booth to make that sound. <laughs> it was just that sound effect was a bad choice. Um, so Buffy updates them on the fact that she doesn't mention that she saw Angel at all. I don't think. Although the scene is pretty quick. So like, I don't, I don't know that she's necessarily hiding it in this particular case. Um, but she tells them that she killed Caleb. And, um, Xander says, party in my eye socket and everyone's invited. <laughs> and then everybody kind of looks at him like, what the fuck did you just say? And he says, sometimes I shouldn't say words. Same, same Xander, same. <laughs> um, so then the next scene is Buffy goes to the basement and Spike is there punching a punching bag, punching a punching bag. And... He just comes right out with it and says that, you know, he saw them kissing and all that shit. 
And of course he's jealous and blah, blah, blah. And then he says, well, go ahead and give me the, the thing that your sweetie bear gave you. Um, cause he knows he saw that conversation go down about the amulet and everything. And Buffy says, well, it's meant to be worn by a champion. And he's like, oh, like he immediately like kind of is taken aback and like, he doesn't identify as a champion is the point of that. And she hands it to him and it's like this moment where it's all sparkly and hands it to him. They obviously had to film that in a different location because... <laughs> you know, it's like a dark background and like, you know, very, very fancy. She hands it off to him. And so it's her telling him that she thinks he's a champion. Big deal. Big deal, right? Kind of more important than whether or not she loves him. She thinks he's a motherfucking champion. There are plenty of people I love in my life that I don't think are champions. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then she says to him, Faith still has my room. You know, she wants him to, she wants to stay with him tonight. So cuddle night number two. But at first he's like, you're not staying here. You've got angel breath. You don't get to just, you know, bounce me back and forth like a rubber ball, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, she says, I understand. She starts to walk out the door and he stops her. Um, he's like, I'm, I'm bluffing or something, something like that. So cuddle night number two. <laughs> they cuddle together in the basement. Um, and this is the night that the first comes to her as first as Caleb, but then quickly morphs into a version of her, um, which is the version that we're used to seeing the first as throughout the season. We're used to seeing it as Buffy. And my note was, why is this the first time the first comes to her? Because have we seen the first come to her? any other time than this moment? I'm really trying to think. I mean, that episode conversations with dead people when the first actually starts showing up for a lot of the characters, it's, it shows up as Joyce for Dawn. It shows up as Cassie, um, for Willow and it doesn't ever talk to Xander. Of course, yeah, that tracks. He's not really a major player. <laughs> he's, he's, he's doing his best, but, but I don't, when that, in that episode, it was a vampire that she had known in when he was alive that she talks to that night. It's not the first. I don't, I mean, I might be forgetting something, but I don't remember the first taunting Buffy at all throughout the entire season, which is odd. Like, why wouldn't it? Who would it, it would show up as Joyce, wouldn't it? Don't you think? That's the major dead person that would be haunting Buffy. I don't know. Weird. Anyway, um, this, this is the first time that's ever occurred to me. <laughs> Um, and the first says to her, she alone will have, she's talking about, you know, the slayer. She alone will have the strength and skill to fight against the force of darkness, blah, 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 blah. There's that word again. Um, what you are, how you'll die alone. And this is the moment where Buffy, you know, realizes what she wants to do. 
um, Spike wakes up in the background and he's having a nightmare and he says, I'm drowning in footwear. <laughs> Just cute moment. Um, then we cut to Buffy is presenting her idea for a plan to all the major players. So Willow, Giles, Dawn, Faith, and Anya? Xander? I mean, yes, Xander, but I can't remember if Anya was, Anya was there. I think she was there. No Kennedy, thankfully, because, you know, she's too new. She doesn't get to be in the inner circle yet. You know what I mean? But I'm glad that Faith was there. I'm glad that Faith was there. Anyway, so she's presenting the idea to all of them. I think they're in Willow's bedroom or they might be in Buffy's bedroom. Doesn't matter. They're in a bedroom. Um, and she's presenting the idea to everyone. And Giles says, it flies in the face of everything. Everything every generation has ever done in the fight against evil. And then he takes a beat and he looks at Buffy and he says, I think it's bloody brilliant. And this is the other like reconciliation moment between Buffy and Giles. This is all we get. Besides that meaningful look in the last episode, we get Giles saying that. And Buffy says, you mean that? And Giles says, if you want my opinion. And she says, really do. And then they do have a very meaningful look and smile and I'll take it. It's all I get. I'll take it. <laughs> um, then we get the beginning of the speech that she gives to everyone, including the potentials. So after she's run the idea by everyone in the inner circle, quote unquote, which this is part of the thing that she should have been doing before. Part of the reason why she got ousted by the whole group is because she wasn't doing this. She wasn't bringing her ideas to the inner circle first so that they could all be a unified front about the whole thing. You know, that's part of the problem, I think. Anyway. I need to cut the wick on one of these flames, man. It's getting big. Don't worry. I'm a seasoned candle mancer. <laughs> I don't know what you call that. I've been doing it since probably before you were born. If you're any younger than uh, 25. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so where are we? If you want my opinion, really do. Okay. So this is when we get, uh, Buffy is doing her, the beginnings of her speech, but we don't see the whole thing until later in a flashback. So we don't know what her plan is at this point. Um, which I think was smart just from a storytelling standpoint that they didn't give us this information till later. But she's telling everyone, like, well, we don't really see it. She just says, like, it's time for you to make a choice or something. Then we cut to, um, Buffy does say, you know, tomorrow I'm, we're going to open the seal. We're going to take the fight to them. Not when they're ready. We're going to do it now. And, um... So then cut to Principal Wood and Faith are in the basement of the school. They're moving furniture around. They're blocking exits or something so that um, when the all the Turricons come out of the Hellmouth, 
they will be forced on certain paths or something like that, which makes sense. So they're moving furniture and stuff. And this is when we get, I mean, just like, why are we wasting time having conversations between principal wood and faith? But we are. Everything's like about relationships in this show or something. Everything's love related, but, um, it's the whole, like, you know, faith, you know, tells him that she was blowing him off, um, after they had sex a couple nights ago. And he's like, yeah, I kind of figured that out. And it's just a stupid conversation. But anyway, he's, they're laying the groundwork for like, maybe they might have a relationship in the future, whatever whatever. I don't really care about this whole thing. Um, where are we? Okay. Then we get a scene between Willow and Kennedy at night, um, in bed and Willow's like going over stuff for a spell that she's doing that we don't know what it is yet. Um, and Willow tells Kennedy, you know, this is, this is really big, the darkest place I've ever been. This is going to be even, heavier, you know, you might have to kill me if I, if I go evil or whatever. And, um, at one point Willow says, you know, Buffy, sweet girl, not that bright. Um, and then my next note was no Buffy and Willow conversation. This entire episode and in the last episode, we haven't gotten a conversation between just Willow and Buffy, like talking about anything. Remember the fact that like, we're supposed to think they're best friends. Like what the fuck? The, like the last time we've gotten, as far as I can remember, the last time we've gotten a meaningful exchange between Buffy and Willow was at the very, very beginning of the season. As soon as Willow gets back from England. And she, you know, had that whole thing where like no one could see her and that demon had like sliced off a piece of her stomach and ate it. And so she was healing from that wound. Um, and she was sitting on her bed, like trying to do magic to heal her wound. And Buffy sat down and held her hands to give her some of her strength to help her heal her wound. And that was the last meaningful exchange we had between Buffy and Willow. I mean, remember the first few seasons of Buffy when Buffy and Willow were just like, BFFs talking about shit, talking about their lives. Like that happened somewhat frequently at the beginning of a show that's supposed to be a feminist show. But do we even have, does the last episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer even pass the Bechdel test? Does it? <laughs> I mean, I guess so, because we get a couple of small exchanges between Buffy and Dawn. But this was not the episode. We didn't get any conversations between... I mean, Buffy is addressing a bunch of slayers, and we do know... Or a bunch of potentials, and we do know some of their names. So I guess it kind of does, but barely. And that does, actually doesn't count because that's not an exchange. That's just Buffy addressing people. And some of them are, most of them are women. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, you know, me picking apart Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's what I've been doing for the last seven years. And this is the last fucking episode. Oh my God. Oh my God. 
I'm gonna have to do like so much work between now and next week because I'm gonna have to get out all of my Buffy um, notebooks, figure out like what stats I want to actually share with you guys. What if I'm missing a notebook? What if I have a whole gap of time that I didn't write down? <laughs> when I first started doing this podcast, I had... I was keeping track of stats on paper. Like I had, I had a binder and I had a little section of the binder, like in the very beginning that had, I would write down the name of the episode, the air date, and then I would write like the five by five rating on there as I went along. And I only kept up with that for like a season or two. Anyway, we'll talk about that next week, but in any case, I'm going to have to like do some research before the next episode. <laughs> Compile evidence. I'm gonna have to go through all my sloppy ass notes from the last seven years and make some kind of fucking sense of them. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna have to do. Ugh, not looking forward to that, but anyway, it's gonna feel like school again. I'm gonna have to get into research mode, okay? <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll call the next episode. Buffy research mode. Anyway, um, Kennedy tells Willow in this moment just to reassure her. And it's kind of sweet, you know, like going into, oh my God, this entire, sorry. I was just like, oh my God, I don't know if this episode passes the Bechdel test when I'm in the middle of talking about a conversation between two women <laughs> when they are not talking about a guy at all. <laughs> I'm a dumbass. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Anyway. Um, going into the season, I probably even said it to you guys at some point. I wasn't sure, like, I remembered hating Kennedy, but I actually don't hate her at all. I mean, like, yeah, she's had some moments where she's like being bratty and, and or whiny and or entitled or whatever, but it made sense for the type of character that she was and she still was a badass and she still is sweet to Willow I, I actually kind of like her, you know, like the, the first time around watching Buffy, the only two characters that really, really pissed me off were Dawn and Kennedy. And both of them I love now. I mean, I guess I wouldn't say I love Kennedy, but the actor is not bad. And like chemistry wise, her and God, I hate to say it. Her and Willow had more chemistry than her and Tara, than Willow and Tara, the actors. Anyway, I mean, I fucking love Tara with all my heart. You guys know that I love Tara with all my heart. Like, if we were, I would never want Tara to die. I, I could lose Kennedy and we could have never met Kennedy. <laughs> That's fine if Tara could have lived. But... I, I'm just saying I don't really hate her anymore, you know? Anyway, that's my thought. Um, where are we? Oh, Kennedy is reassuring Willow in this moment. And she has this whole speech about like, I'm kind of a brat. I sort of get my way. And now you're my way. So you're going to be fine. And she talks about how she's going to ground her again. I kind of like this dynamic, you know, this sort of idea that like 
Willow's afraid that she's going to be completely out of control. It sort of reminds me of like an elemental association. Like we don't know what Willow's birthday is, but I would assume that maybe she's an air sign, air or fire. And, you know, so more of a boundaryless element. And Kennedy keeps talking about grounding. Um, she is a Pisces though, but maybe she has earth as her rising or her moon sign or something. <laughs> but you know, Kennedy is the earth to willows, fire, or air, whatever her element is. Then after that scene between Kennedy and Willow, we get the, the D and D scene, Giles, Xander, Amanda, and Andrew. Andrew is the DM dungeon master for those y'all that don't speak Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> DM is dungeon master. And he's wearing like, I think it's Buffy's red riding hood from her Halloween costume that we saw in season four. Um, that, uh, Joyce mentions she is altering for Buffy. It was a costume that she had as a child. <laughs> anyway. Um, and Anya's at the table too, but she's sleeping. It's just, it was just a cute little scene that they were all playing Dungeons and Dragons. I actually have a coworker who is putting together a Dungeons and Dragons campaign for like, you know, it's going to be kind of for people that don't like, aren't super obsessed with like the rules and all that shit. Um, because yeah, anyway. I am invited and I'm totally going to do it. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Anya's sleeping at the table. Did I say that? I think I did. So this is night number three. If you're keeping track, Buffy and Spike night number three, the only thing we see, and I'm pretty sure mom, you were distracted looking at your phone. You didn't even see this moment when we were watching it together the other night. <laughs> Buffy, you see Buffy you see Angel like looking at the tal the amulet thing. It's all sparkly and he's just looking at it, wondering what it is or whatever. And he's in his bed in the basement. Buffy, you hear Buffy coming down the steps and then you see like a wide shot kind of, I mean, it's in four, three aspect ratio. It's not widescreen unless you're watching Hulu. Okay. Little sidetrack, little sidetrack. <laughs> I'm not sure I've bitched about this before. Maybe I have, but if I have, it was probably, probably years ago. If you guys are watching Buffy on Hulu, and I don't think Buffy's actually on Hulu anymore, but if you ever have watched Buffy on Hulu, they, for some reason, they, I don't know how they did this. There's a whole controversy about it, but the aspect ratio for Buffy was made for TV. It's four, three, um, you know, it's just like a little bit triangular four, three, you know, but, um, somehow Hulu has widescreen Buffy, but it's because they did it in a weird way and it's not essentially sometimes you will see like things that aren't supposed to be in the shot. Um, like you'll see like set stuff or somebody like in the corner that's not supposed to be there because it was supposed to be four, three aspect ratio. Um, like 
if you see someone advertising like Hulu or wherever, it's Buffy and widescreen. Like, it might be distracting sometimes. I don't know. I, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> anyway, that's just a little aside. But you see, like, kind of a wide shot. Buffy's walked down the stairs in the basement. Um, Spike has gotten up from his little cot. And so you just see the two of them in the very corners of the shot just looking at each other. And that's all you see from night number three of Buffy and Spike before the impending apocalypse. Do you think that Buffy and Spike had sex on night number three? I like that they don't, that they give you the question but they don't give you the answer. I like that. I personally think that they did. But with their history, I like that they didn't imply that they did necessarily. Um, you know, it wasn't super, um, wasn't super subtexty, but just the fact that the only thing we saw was that Buffy descended the stairs the night before they go into battle and they're just looking at each other. I think they had sex. I just do. <laughs> and it was probably amazing because this is the first time they've had sex while Spike has a soul. I think they did. I'm sure there's a lot of fan fiction out there about this night. <laughs> I bet you anything there is. Okay, now we're, it's the morning of the final battle. Um, they're at Sunnydale High School. Xander makes a little speech about how, like, you know, where the bathrooms are. <laughs> he tells everyone where the bathrooms are. And if you don't think you have to go, think about what you're about to face. Better to go now. <laughs> Which I like. It's just cute. Andrew tries to do, like, a little speech about, like, fighting for this very special cause with you guys and what it means to him. And he pulls a little notebook piece of paper out of his pocket and unfolds it and he wants to like thank everyone that's got him here to this moment because he really thinks he's gonna die he thinks he's gonna die tonight and um Anya's like shut up no one cares um so that's just you know cute little Andrew moment Buffy tries to like pull Don aside to say something to her and Don says anything you say it's going to sound like goodbye. And she doesn't let her do it. She sets a boundary with her big sister. Hell yeah, Dawn. And then she sort of like stomps off down the hallway in her heels and just like Dawn's become such a fucking badass. I mean, I love it. And then we get a scene between the core four, Giles, Willow, Xander, Buffy. And it's a circular, it's a shot that's going around them as they're talking probably was difficult to shoot because they had to, you know, hit their lines at just the right moment. Um, anyway, but it is a mirror of a scene that happened at the end of episode two of Buffy ever. They had just, you know, had their first challenge together, um, at the end of the harvest and they had just had their first challenge together. And, they're all talking about something like whatever mundane they're bantering the three of the three kids 
are bantering and Giles says something like the earth is doomed or something like that. And in this moment, it's the same thing. Like they're talking about, what do you guys want to do tomorrow? I think, I think I want to do something not too strenuous, go shopping, maybe get some shoes, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're just talking about the mall or some stupid shit. And at the end of the conversation, um, Giles walks off and says, the earth is definitely doomed. And I mean, it's a little forced, but it's a cute moment because it's going back to the first, you know, the first battle that they ever went through together. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just a cheesy little sentimental thing that just doesn't really make sense, but it's cute. It's cute. I like it. Um, let's see. Where are we? How many pages of notes did I have for this episode? Three, four, five, six. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> um, the earth is definitely doomed. Okay. Then all the potentials plus Buffy and Faith are in the, are at the seal, which again, reminder, this seal is a Baphomet head. So that's that, like, if you've ever seen the devil card in Buffy, that's Baphomet, I think, pretty sure. Um, or if you've ever seen like a reverse pentacle with, um, with a goat's head, (laughs) that's Baphomet. That's what the seal is. It's a Baphomet. So it's, it's, it has some like esoteric symbolism built into this little seal. It's a Baphomet head. And there are two astrological symbols on the seal. One is Libra and one is Taurus which I just find interesting because both Libra and Taurus are ruled by Venus. So I wonder if, you know, the people on set that make these types of decisions were like, you know, the evil symbols, quote unquote, are the female symbols, you know, because the symbol, the alchemical symbol for Venus is, you know, you know, the symbol, look it up. It's a circle with a cross underneath it attached to it. That's the symbol for Venus. That's the symbol for a woman, um, often. And it's just, it's funny. It's just funny. Like Libra and Taurus ruled by Venus. They're the evil women signs or something. I don't know. (laughs) Which is funny because Libra is considered a masculine sign, but it's ruled by Venus. Anyway, contradictions. Libra is a, is a walking contradiction. (laughs) I should know. I have Libra in like, I don't know most of my, most of my planets are in Libra. (laughs) Anyway. Um, so bloodletting, they do a bloodletting, like every potential plus Buffy and Faith cut their palm. Why is it always the palm? Plus like, come on guys, this is some, this is some, like, this is an OSHA nightmare. That's what this is because they're all using the same ritual knife to cut their palm with. (laughs) So they're all their blood is mixing together. Anyway, whatever. Um, they all do a bloodletting to open the seal. This is when I drew a very crude diagram of the ritual that Willow is doing. Basically just a semicircle of five candles. Oh, but there was a sixth candle. 
I forgot there was a sixth candle that was just beyond the point of the the middle point. Anyway, whatever. I, I didn't, I only have five candles here right now. Sorry, you guys. Not totally accurate representation of the spell that Willow did. <laughs> I'm trying to make all of you guys real slayers too, because we're all potentials. Everyone listening to this right now, we're all potentials. So me burning these candles right now, I don't have a scythe, but I do have a ritual knife. Ooh, I should put the ritual knife in the same position as the scythe was. <laughs> yes. Okay. By the end of this podcast episode, we're all slayers, okay? <laughs> anyway. Now we get to see the rest of the speech that Buffy gave to all the potentials the night before. Um, so here's, I wrote part of it down. In every generation, one slayer is born because a bunch of men who died thousands of years ago made up that rule. They were powerful men. This woman, she points at Willow, is more powerful than all of them combined. I say we change the rule. I say my power should be our power. And then she makes a speech about like every girl that can stand up will stand up. And you get the montage of like girls from different cultures, different ages around the world are waking up. And then you get that, you know, that little girl that's going up to bat in a baseball game with her little helmet. And it's just, and you're crying. Of course. Of course you're crying. I'm crying. I mean, <laughs> I cry every time. Um, Willow's hair becomes white during the spell. So, you know, I guess it, in the context of the season, the fact that, you know, the entire season she's been like whining that she doesn't know if she should trust magic again. She should trust her own magic, blah, 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 blah. But, um, so this is the moment, like she thought that this was going to be, that her hair was going to turn black, that this was going to be a really difficult moment. She might not be able to come back from, she thought Kennedy might have to kill her, et cetera. Cause Kennedy's in the room. Um, not only to like, monitor Willow and help her with the spell, but also because she's going to get the scythe and take it to Buffy as soon as Willow's done using it in this moment, because she's using the essence of the Slayer Scythe that was forged and created by these this race of female guardians that we met in the last episode. So all of that is cool. You know, the fact that these female guardians were the ones that created the scythe for the Slayer and Willow's using the power of the scythe to create, to share the power amongst all these people around the world. It's so fucking cool, right? <clears throat> Despite the fact that we've never even heard of the Guardians until last episode, and we never hear about them again, as far as I can remember. But anyway, um, Willow's hair turns white, so it isn't dark magic. What she just did is not dark magic. Um, and all of her fears did not come true. It's just, it's just nice. It's a nice moment. Um, it's a little silly because it's just so obviously a wig, but whatever. Cause it's like longer than her real hair. <laughs> Stupid. But anyway, um, I just feel like they could have used, I mean, I get that it's a low budget show, but <laughs> I feel like they could have spent 
the time and the money to get Alison Hannigan a good fucking wig. Come on. Anyway, then we get um, Anya. It's Anya and Andrew at this certain point. Like, they're the second front. Like, anybody that's not a slayer is the second front. And um, upstairs in the school. So Anya and Andrew are guarding, like, one entrance or something. And um, Anya says, I'm terrified. I didn't think. I mean, I thought you would be terrified and I'd be sarcastic about it. (laughs) And Andrew's like, well, just think about, think about good things. A lake, uh, candy canes, bunnies. And of course, as we all know, Anya is, has a phobia against bunnies. (laughs) She hates bunnies. So she, that gives her the strength. Like she's holding her sword and she's like, floppy, hoppy bunnies. And then she's ready to go. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, just the nitpick of like, so we're seeing like all the potentials have become slayers now. Really fucking cool moment, right? It really was. And when watching this for the first time, I mean, do you guys remember the first time you saw this episode, if it wasn't spoiled for you beforehand, you know, like I didn't know cause I was watching it in real time. It was just such a magical moment. Like it was really conceptually the perfect ending to this show truly because you know, the whole thing with Buffy is that she's one slayer chosen, blah, 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 blah. You know, that used to be said at the beginning of every single, um, episode of Buffy, it was like, there'd be a voiceover of Giles saying one girl in all the world, blah, 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 the premise of the show. And now it's not one girl in all the world. I'm actually somewhat excited to read the comics again. I mean, I've got to do that for you guys, right? I mean, I just have to, I don't know if I'm going to do the whole like 20 years later thing with the comics. Like I might, cause comics don't take that long to read. Um, it might just feel weird to like parse it out that long. I don't know. I haven't looked yet to see like, what's the release schedule of the comics? Like, would it make sense to do a 20 years later thing? Um, I don't know. Um, we'll worry about that later, but in any case, um, I'm kind of excited to read about, to read the comics again. Maybe I have them all (laughs) cause I was like, I had like a... I had a subscription service to like a dark horse comics. They were the ones that put out the Buffy comics and I subscribed to Buffy. So I would get the new issues as they came out for like the first few years. And then I eventually went to just buying the graphic novels um, because the actual like individual issues of comic books, like I'm not a comic book collector. I just have a couple of series that I like. I wonder if any of my Buffy comics would be worth anything because I got them in the mail issue by issue as they were being released. And I kept them all in their little plastic sleeves. So like, I don't think any of them were damaged in the tornado, although I haven't gotten them back out in so long guys. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) um, army of slayers. That's what we get in the comics. You know, like how do you organize an army of slayers? You know, now we have them all. What do we do with them? It's interesting. 
Oh, my drink is gone. Um, floppy hoppy bunnies. Okay, so, you know, we're getting, like, everybody's taking out Turacons left and right, you know? Um, so many of them. The fight scenes are choreographed pretty well. This, it, and of course the score is really well done. Um, another nitpick, if you have the DVDs, you know. They play the fucking score for this final battle um, in the menu screens of the DVDs. It's annoying as fuck. <laughs> it's just really, like, bombastic fight music, you know? Um, it's... But it's good. They, you know, spent time on it, and it sounds good. Um, but, yeah, anyway. Ah, uh, where are we? Anya kills two Turakons in quick succession. Anya, who doesn't have any special powers, whereas one... When we first met the first Turakon vampire, um, Buffy almost died <laughs> as she's a slayer. Whatever. It's just, it's a nitpick. It's a big nitpick though. Like I get that it made it seem scary that this one vampire that was like so fucking powerful that Buffy almost couldn't even kill, that there's a whole army of them and they were using CGI in 2003, it was still a, CGI was still a baby at that point, especially for a low-budget TV show. Um, it just didn't look great. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Um, Buffy gets stabbed. She really gets, like, impaled. Like, the Turakon vampires have, like, swords, I guess. I think. I think they all had swords. But this one, like, stabbed Buffy through the back, um, into her stomach and she wasn't really bleeding that much. Like this whole moment where she like falls down and you think she's going to die or something. I thought that was a little over the top because she's a slayer and she didn't look like she got, you know, stabbed in any major organs or anything. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not well versed in anatomy, but I don't, she didn't really look like she was gonna die, <laughs> but whatever. We're supposed to think that she is. So she gets stabbed and she, you know, there's a dramatic moment where she hands the scythe off to Faith and tells her to hold the line and Faith looks really upset, but then she immediately like, you know, starts killing. She has a badass moment. Everybody's having badass moments, you know, because they've all just become slayers and they're all fighting really well and really confidently because they've been trained and they're ready for this shit and blah, blah, blah. But at this moment, after Buffy gets stabbed, things start to turn, you know? Um, and it's in this part of the montage of fighting, whatever, this part of the, the battle that we see Anya get killed very swiftly. Um, she just gets stabbed right through her from shoulder diagonally all the way down to like her hip. And you see it, the effect looks really good. It's very, 
intense and powerful and all that stuff. And I don't, I don't know what the fuck Andrew's doing. I don't think he was really fighting. He was just sort of like kind of hiding and not really doing much of anything. Like we don't really see him fighting. I might've missed it. Cause I'm, I not great at paying attention to fight scenes, but I was really trying. <laughs> I was really trying tonight. Um, but Anya gets killed. Amanda gets killed. So that was that. If you don't remember which one Amanda is, Amanda was the one that was playing Dungeons and Dragons with everyone the night before. She was also the one that, um, Dawn knew from school. Um, whenever Dawn thought she was a potential for a second, that was the episode that we found out that Amanda was the potential that already lived in Sunnydale. Um, so we lost Amanda. Don't really get a moment to mourn her except Buffy. While she's down, she sees Amanda. Also get downed, downed, felled, whatever. She's fallen in battle. <laughs> um, then the first comes to Buffy as Buffy again, um, while she's bleeding out on the ground. And just like the fact that the first is taunting Buffy just like gives her the strength to stand up. And there's like this moment, this dramatic moment of Buffy standing up in slow motion, blah, 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 whatever. As if we thought Buffy was going to die, right? Like we didn't think that, did we? Maybe I was naive enough in 2003 when I was watching this for the first time to think that Buffy maybe could die, but I don't know. <laughs> um, I guess we did just see Anya die. So at that point, like you might think, oh my God, all bets are off then. Maybe, maybe we are going to see Buffy die. I'm sure people could have thought that. Um, let's see. The first taunting Buffy alone gives her life again, I guess. That was my note. <laughs> oh, Spike's amulet starts like, you know, working or something. Um, it's like stinging. And I thought this was interesting, you know, because essentially what is happening, if I understand it correctly, is that sunlight is somehow filtering through Spike's soul and coming like his soul. Maybe it is just his soul. His soul is manifesting as sunlight and it is funneling through the amulet and it takes out all the Turricons at once. So, okay. I love Spike. You guys know I love Spike. But I think this is, a again, another example of why Buffy the Vampire Slayer is not a feminist show. Like, the other, the other potentials that have all just become Slayers. Like, each of them is taking out, like, maybe a handful of Turricons over the course of the whole battle. One or two handfuls, right? They're fighting, they're doing their best. Some of them died, but Spike, a vampire dude, is the one that takes out thousands of Turakons by wearing this amulet. Like they wouldn't have been okay without this amulet if Angel hadn't come. So really, if you think about it, the reason that they won the final fight was because of Angel and because of Spike. 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer was not the one that made the ultimate difference. I mean, I were, I think we're, the show's emphasis is more on Buffy and Willow being the instrumental part of this whole thing. But if you think about it, it was really Angel and Spike. Because <laughs> if Angel hadn't brought that amulet, and that amulet was gotten through weird, through shrewd dealings, essentially, because Angel had to become the head of an evil corporation in order to get access to that amulet. I don't know, I'm just saying, I know I'm picking it apart, but it, this is a fucking Buffy podcast, you know? At least for the next few minutes, it's a Buffy podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, where are we? So Spike's amulet, like, is beaming out uh, pure sunshine <laughs> in the Buffy tarot deck. This moment is the sun card, which is in, which is, which makes sense. It makes sense. Cause I did, I did sort of see this as sunlight. It was almost like the sun was beaming down on Spike and mixing with his soul and shining out via the, the amulet <laughs> and taking out all the Turacons and also completely destroying the Hellmouth. The Hellmouth is being destroyed by Spike right now. Spike. Spike gets all the fucking glory. Like, really? I mean, I just don't think that's right. At the end of the day, I don't think Spike should be saving everyone. I mean, I... It's fine, I guess, but just symbolically, shouldn't be Spike. I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Uh, anyway, this is the moment Buffy, you know, everyone else is leaving because the whole Hellmouth is completely crumbling. So everyone else is getting the fuck out. Um, they're running. Faith also, she's like, Buffy, come on. <laughs> and she just doesn't even like look at her and Faith just keeps going. We should have had a little bit more of a meaningful exchange right here of Faith trying to get Buffy to get out because she was going to die. I think this should have been a little bit more of a moment, but whatever, it wasn't. This this episode, the final episode of Buffy, was not a supersized episode at all. It was just the regular 42 minutes. With, you know, not counting commercials. Um, that's all it was. So, yeah. Anyway. Do you guys remember, this was like years ago, Every once in a while, I'd be like, wouldn't it be cool if I could watch Buffy episodes of VHS tapes? Does anyone have any? <laughs> no one ever answered me. But just making that plea one more time. One more time. Even if you hear this podcast episode six years in the future, I don't care. If you are willing to let me borrow your VHS tapes of any episodes of Buffy, even if you only have one on an old VHS tape, I don't care. I want to watch Buffy with the original commercials intact. 
on VHS tapes. I got a VCR hooked up, ready to go at all times. Not just for that, but for any VHS tapes, because I'm still into VHS tapes, okay? I am. Um, let me know. Let me know if you have access. It, and I would send them back if you wanted me to. Absolutely. I would just borrow them long enough to digitize them and send them back to you. Um, anyway, just, you know, let me know. Hit me up. So this is it. Buffy and Spike. Spike is about to destroy the Hellmouth. And he knows. He knows that he needs to see this through. Buffy starts to kind of half-assedly say, Come on, you could, you've done enough. You can get out. Um, and he's like, Nope, I need to see this through. And she holds his hand. They're like flames. Flames coming out of their hands. Breathless, heaving breaths. <laughs> anyway. And then Buffy says, I love you. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to hark on this situation, harp on this situation even more than I already have, not only today, but in all the other days that I've talked about this moment. This is a meaningful moment. But the way that she says, I love you, to me, doesn't sound like it's her truth. That's all I'm going to say. She says, I love you. Spike says, no, you don't but thanks for saying it. And then she just looks at him and then she goes and she's running and she's barely getting out. You don't know if the, the whole high school is collapsing. Um, the hell mouth is, you know, it's like a giant earthquake whole thing. Um, uh, we're supposed to believe that like everyone has left Sunnydale at this point, like no one's still in Sunnydale. So we're not supposed to be worrying about civilians or anything like that. Um, and we see Spike, like he incinerates, like this is where they put the budget for the CGI, not on the Turacons. <laughs> they put it on this moment. Cause it doesn't look terrible. Like even 2023 standards, it doesn't look terrible. Um, like, would it be better now? Yes, absolutely. But it doesn't look awful. Um, so Spike burns up because, you know, the sun, it's the sun <laughs> and the amulet is killing him and he burns up. He makes the ultimate sacrifice, as they say. Um, Spike completely incinerates and... I don't know, like, we don't really mourn him, right? I mean, is anyone really mourning Spike? I mean, we're just like, yep, that feels right. Like, what the fuck was he going to do? How the fuck did he even get there? I don't remember seeing Spike, like, with a blanket over his head or something, getting into the school, but yeah, I guess we just didn't see him. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, Spike incinerates, and they're all on the bus, and Principal Wood is driving the bus, even though he was stabbed at one point and he's bleeding out and you don't know if he's going to make it. Um, so he's driving the bus and Buffy's chasing after everyone. Everyone else is already on the bus, everyone that lived. And Buffy's chasing them and she's running, she's running, she's got the scythe. <laughs> um, and she jumps onto the top of the bus and 
they're, I guess they get out of, they get out of Sunnydale, like, real fucking quick. Um, like, it takes, like, 30 seconds or something for them to be out of Sunnydale. Um, and they stop the bus, and Buffy jumps down from the bus, and Dawn hugs her, um, Giles gets out and says, I don't understand what did this because the, they're like looking out over a crater where Sunnydale used to be. Like not only was the Hellmouth destroyed, but all of Sunnydale was destroyed. This fictional town no longer exists. It is done. <laughs> Buffy. And in that way, the prophecy or prophecy, I think somebody at some point, I think it was like the shadow men said to Buffy um, that she's the last guardian of the Hellmouth or something like that. I don't remember exactly how they worded it, but I guess that part came true. She was the last guardian of this Hellmouth anyway. Um, so Giles says, I don't understand. What did this? And Buffy says, Spike. <laughs> And my next note was, why is Buffy not panicked, making sure everyone is alive? Like, I feel like at this point, she would be, like, checking on everyone. Like, all she, the only people that she's seen at this very moment in time that I made that note was Giles and Dawn. <laughs> she doesn't know if anyone else is alive. She's not checking on Willow. <laughs> she doesn't give a shit about Willow anymore. There was, like, this moment, okay, like, I'm rewinding a little bit. But right after the whole, like, the earth is definitely doomed thing that Giles said, and they, the four of them separated to go to their different posts. Um, there's like this little moment where like, um, Xander, Xander like touches Willow on the arm or something as she's walking away to where she's going which is the principal's office because it's right above the hell mouth. <laughs> um, but Buffy doesn't reach out and touch her at all. At all. And then Buffy and um, Xander hold hands for a second. I wonder if like there's something else going on behind the scenes. Like does Allison Hannigan like hate Sarah Michelle Gellar and or vice versa? Like why has there been like nothing between these two characters lately at all. I don't know. I'm hyper-focusing on that, but anyway, Buffy's not panicked about anybody. <laughs> and then we get the Sunnydale sign falling into the crater, which is just a great shot. Um, Xander is like, you know, trying to ask about Anya. Um, and Andrew says, she was incredible. She died saving my life. And I mean, she really did actually. <laughs> like, I don't know if she was conceptualizing it that way. She was just fighting. She was just fighting for her life. But you know, um, pretty much the whole time, Andrew was standing behind Anya, you know, um, despite the jokes that were made earlier in the episode where like Anya was like, talking about how she was going to use Andrew as a human shield and blah, blah, blah. But she didn't. She saved him. So that was the end of Anya's arc. She has fulfilled her destiny of atonement after being an 1100-year-old demon. <laughs> and 
We do see her in the comics. She comes back as a ghost that's haunting only Xander for a minute. I can't remember which season it is. Because I think they went up to either season 10 or season 11. Because they did still call them seasons um, in the comics. So we have a season 8 and a season 9 and a season 10. It may have ended with 10. I can't remember exactly. Um, and it went over like many years. Like a season would be like several years long in the comic books. But we do get to see Anya again. But only only like serving Xander as a ghost, like whatever. It's this whole thing. I can't remember exactly, but it was dumb. It was a dumb storyline. <laughs> um, then we get another conversation between um, Principal Wood and Faith. Um, he had said, you know, if we get through this, maybe let me surprise you as, you know, a person, as like a possible relationship prospect. That was in the conversation that they had had when they were in the basement earlier the night before or whatever. And now he's like bleeding out and he's sitting in the driver's seat of the bus and he like spaces off for a moment. You think he's dead, but he's not. And then he's like, surprise. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and then everybody's just sort of like standing outside the bus, looking out over the crater that was Sunnydale. And everybody's just sort of asking Buffy like, wow, so you're not the one and only chosen one anymore. Like you could just be like a regular human. Like, what are we going to do now? Buffy? Yeah, Buffy, what are we going to do? And it's like, you know, a slow shot where, um, the wider shot you see who, who all is standing there. It's Dawn and Buffy standing, Dawn, Buffy and Willow standing in the front, like kind of the three of them together, like a coven. <laughs> and then, Giles, Faith, and Xander kind of standing behind. Um, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's everybody that's standing there in that moment. Um, and the, the shot is just slowly closing on a Buffy as they're all just sort of talking and like bantering and Buffy's just sort of standing there not saying anything. And they're like, Buffy, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? Blah, blah, blah. And the whole series ends as they've gotten into a close-up on Sarah Michelle Gellar's face. And she just starts to smile. So it's a nice ending. And I just also want to note something I noticed this time. The very last shot, I mean, it is a close-up of Buffy's face, but it's not completely in completely in her face. You can see one character right behind her, not in focus, but she's there. And it's Faith. Faith, the very last shot of the entire series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is Buffy and Faith. <laughs> I love that. I love that fact. So my last note for Buffy for this entire podcast is last shot has faith by her side. <laughs> Not a beautiful sentence structurally, but there it is. 
Wait, I just closed the notebook when I haven't done my ratings yet. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Obviously these ratings aren't really that fucking important. But anyway. Object of the episode. Did we do Scythe last week or was I putting it off again? Because I know I put it off for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to have to be the Scythe this episode. Outfit of the episode. Buffy's was stupid. It was like... I don't even remember. But Buffy's final outfit was kind of just boring and dumb. Everybody's final outfits were boring and dumb. Willow's was okay. I'm trying to think what everybody was wearing. Yeah, everybody's final outfits were dumb. Okay, so not applicable for outfit of the episode. I don't know who the, who was the fucking costume person? Did they have like a, just a totally new costume person, costume designer or whatever for the last couple seasons of Buffy? Cause I don't know. I mean, like they never had like designer clothes or anything like that. It was all off the rack stuff, which is great. Like I like that because sometimes like the characters on Buffy would be wearing something that I could find in my local mall at the time. Like seriously, not even joking. <laughs> um, so I thought that was cool, but, um, what is the quote of the episode? You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give it to Buffy with the, I'm not finished becoming whoever the hell it is I'm going to turn out to be. Well, no, that's not the quote of the episode. I'm drowning in footwear. <laughs> no. I mean, I think it's Buffy's like chosen speech, you know, the, in every generation, one slayer is born because a bunch of men who died thousands of years ago made up that rule. They were powerful men, but this woman is more powerful than all of them combined. I say, we changed the rule. I say my power should be our power. So it's that, that's the quote. MVP. I mean, it has to be Buffy because this is Buffy the Vampire Slayer and this is the final episode and she's the one that came up with this idea. I mean, Willow, maybe she should share the, the, share the trophy with Willow perhaps, but I'm going to give it to Buffy. I mean, Spike, Spike also, you know played his part. Xander didn't do much of anything. At least Xander didn't save the world this time. <laughs> five by five. I mean, I definitely have more problems with this episode than I remember. And it's mostly just the things that I'm always mad about, which is characters I love not getting their moments. You know, the fact that the only time we really saw Faith in this episode for the most part was, I mean, she was being a total badass. But we saw, you know, just the fact that most of her scenes were shared with Principal Wood, the fact that most of Buffy's scenes were shared with Spike or Angel, like, whatever. But it's still a really, really good series ender. Like, it could have been a little bit better, but I think it, I've always liked it too. From the very beginning, I liked it. 
And you know how it is when, like, it was my favorite show of all time, even back then. So, and I knew it was the very last episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer ever. I knew that. So it was, you know, there's a lot at stake there. Um, so it's easy to be disappointed in something like that. But I wasn't, I wasn't disappointed then. I'm not disappointed now. So I need to give it a high rating, even though it's not perfect. Costume design could have been better. Makeup could have been better. <laughs> but, you know, that actually doesn't bug me that much because, like, yeah, I mean, they really did, like, outfit, outfit and, like, hair, makeup, and outfits were better in the last episode, but in this one, not so much. Ah, <laughs> uh, I wonder what it was like just having Joss Whedon on set. Like, from everything that I've heard at this point, he was a nightmare to work with, and probably part of the reason why, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar was like, I'm out, I'm done, I've done this for seven years, and I am done. Like, can you imagine being the front runner of a show like this that was probably so emotionally taxing? <laughs> um, anyway, I'm stalling. I'm going to give it a four and a half. I mean, that's a bit high for how much I actually enjoyed it as an episode. It's a bit high for that. But the fact that it was the end of my favorite show of all time, it was the very last episode. Yeah, there were issues, but overall pretty damn good. So that's it. That is Chosen, the last episode of Buffy. Thank you guys for being here. Um, even though I don't have a social media presence and I really have no idea who's listening besides my mom and maybe my brother. And there are others, like, I know that other people are listening. I just don't know who they are. <laughs> so even though I don't know you, whoever you are, I do appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening. Um, however many times you did, it, even if this is the first time, even if this is the future, maybe my podcast will become popular in 2030 or something. <laughs> um, anyway, to whoever you are, whatever year you hear this, thank you for listening. I will be back next week to, I don't know, I, I kind of want to do, if I can find my own fucking stats, my own fucking notes for every episode of Buffy, and I think I still have them all, I would love to recap the objects of the episode, the MVPs, I'd love to do a final tally, like who got MVP the most, <laughs> I predict it's going to be Giles because every time I could give it to Giles, I did give it to Giles. <laughs> um, so I'd love to do a recap of five by five ratings, uh, or MVP and object of the episode five by five ratings. I don't know. I mean, as far as that's concerned, I might just let you guys know when something got rated really high and when something got rated really low. I do have a shit list I think there's only three episodes on it, and that list was meant to serve as episodes that I would never watch again, that after reviewing them for this particular podcast, I would never force myself to watch them again. I know one of them is The Pack, 
and one of them is Ted. I don't think I ended up putting Seeing Red on there because it was actually a very good episode, despite the fact that we lose Tara and Spike attempts to rape Buffy in that episode. So it's a difficult episode, but it's still well done and well written. Um, I mean, really, the only real shit list episode is Ted. Unless I'm forgetting something. <laughs> I'm never watching Ted again. I will go on record as saying that. I am not watching that episode ever again. It's not that bad of an episode as far as, like, it's well-written and all that stuff, but it's just too fucking triggering for me. So, anyway, I'll be back next week to talk about some stats. I don't know exactly how I'm approaching that, but I'd also love... To, if you are listening to this in real time in May 2023, um, if you hear this before May 26th, uh, I would love to hear, you know, just hear from you. How long have you been listening? What did you think of the podcast? What's your favorite season of Buffy? Who do you ship Buffy with? You know, whatever questions you want to answer. Um, just, you know, quick and dirty Buffy facts. And let me know about you if you have listened to this silly little podcast I've been doing for seven years. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next week. Bye!